Welcome to the party, pal. Michael Duke's show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby, streaming live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Good morning and welcome to it. Monday, or as we like to call it around here, fun day. Monday. <laughs> All right, maybe that's a little bit extreme for a Monday morning, but that's uh, that's how we're feeling today. Welcome back to the program, and thanks for coming in and being part of it with us today, uh, Monday morning. And uh, <clears throat> wow, what a what a weekend! What a weekend! Uh, got a chance to uh, got a chance to uh, be down in Homer for the uh, Bear Creek uh, Music Festival down there, uh, where they were raising funds for. The uh, where they were raising funds for the uh, scholarship fund, the uh, Nikki Fry scholarship fund, and uh, lots of great, uh, lots of great fun, uh, uh, music, great food, great people. Got a chance to meet a bunch of different folks, and uh, and uh, just had a great time. So uh, uh, hi out there to ash and to chris and to peter and sandy and everybody that i got a chance to say hi to and meet and it was uh it was it was quite a fun time quite a fun time that's for sure uh but now we're back to the grind back to the grind ready to go and so let's um let's let's figure out what we're going to do today well uh we got some headlines which we're going to talk about uh no guests this morning uh i was reticent i didn't uh didn't set up any guests for the for today, uh, so I thought what we would do, and it was interesting because uh, I did have several conversations with folks uh, down there, some people who had never heard of the show, and uh, so you know they asked, well, what's it about? What's the show about? Well, I thought that's interesting. That's uh, <clears throat> that's an interesting question. What is the show about? So. I thought today I'd just uh, do a little bit of a refresher on, uh, you know, where I come from and what uh, what this is all about and what I hope to do for you as listeners each and every day. So I thought maybe we'd, I thought maybe we'd crack into that as well. But I'm also leaving the phone line open uh, so that um, you guys can help drive the conversation as well. How about that? We'll. We'll let you be part of the discussion, and you can, uh, you can, we can all talk together. Cuckoo, cuckoo! I am the walrus. How's that? How's that? Let's uh, let's get going. And yesterday, uh, we actually had some sunshine. Actually, yesterday was a very, very beautiful. It was like the first day of summer. I mean, just warm and green and blue sky and uh pretty pretty amazing pretty amazing day for you which is good because 
I mean, here we were on June the 1st, and it was like 42 degrees or something, and I just, I kept, I kept waiting for the levee to break, you know what I mean, for something else to happen. And then they had snow up in the mountains outside of Anchorage, and it was like, wow, just wow. Come on, man. It's summer. It's, it, let's, let's just go, let's go in. Um, all right. <clears throat> Bill says he was in the cheap seats across the street from the festival. Well, it was, it was nice. It was, we had a good time. Had a, had a rollicking good time and raised lots of money. And, uh, it was good to see the community come out and support such a great cause down there in, uh, in Homer. All right. Well, uh, let's see what's on the horizon today for headlines. Like, let me, I'll break into those. Let me first, let me, let me, let me, let me do this. Let me throw the phone lines open. Let's get the phones going, shall we? Because that's just, uh, how we roll today. Let's get the phone lines up and running. If you have something that you'd like to talk about, um, I'm totally open to that. So 907 433 3150 907 433-3150. What is this show about? Uh, that was, again, the question. Uh, community. It's about community. It's about ideas. It's about, um, you know, I mean, I, I the coffee clatch, right? I mean, this, <laughs> I used to say this is like a bunch of grumpy old men around a pot-bellied stove at the hardware store, you know, where they're all sitting around doing their thing. It's kind of like that, but, uh, I mean, I guess I'm not... I'm not classifying myself as a grumpy old man today. We're just, this is what we do. We hang out, we chat about the issues that are surrounding us, and we get uh, we get the various hot takes from people uh, as to what you want to say. So, phone lines are open. Again, 907-433-3150. Uh, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, and proud to mention our sponsors today, of course, Satellite West. You can find them at satellitewest.com. They, uh, they've got the connectivity, um, and, uh, and they can take, they can take care of everything. doesn't matter where you are in the state of Alaska. They've got some kind of technology to keep you connected, whether it's through text messaging or phone calls or emails, or just, you want to just surf the internet. They've got the, uh, they've got the tech to get it done. So go over there and see them, check them out at satellitewest.com. And tell them thank you for sponsoring the uh, thank you for sponsoring the program, and of course go check out their uh, go check out their wide variety of local dealers as well. Okay, <clears throat> what are, what what are some of the headlines for today? Well, um, of course the big thing that happened over the. Uh, uh, over the weekend, uh, I guess after the show on Friday, was that the uh, the uh, federal government, uh, and I know normally we don't handle federal issues here, but the federal government has uh, signed and fixed, well, hasn't fixed, what, what am I saying, the debt ceiling issue. They, uh, president, uh, the president on Friday uh, signed the bill that would have raised the federal debt ceiling and averted the federal default, which we've all been uh, talking about for many, many years because we because we haven't uh, addressed our rising fiscal crisis as far as the debts and the deficit. 
Um, there have been some, uh, there were also some major changes inside of this bill baked in, uh, changes to the food stamp program known as SNAP. Um, and the end result is that it's expected that more Alaskans will now be receiving food stamps without working. So I'm not exactly sure how that's a necessarily a great deal, I guess. Um, older Alaskans, uh, some of them will now be required to work, uh, or attend at training camps for at least 80 hours per month. If they want to receive more than three months worth of food stamps in a three-year period. Currently, anyone who is older than 49 doesn't need to meet that requirement. And the bill raises the age to, uh, of cutoff to now 54. So you could be upwards of 54 years old and um, and uh, and be able to do that. You <clears throat> the anybody older than 49. So they've raised the age. So more people between 49 and 54 will now have to continue to attend those training programs or be required to work. That uh, that means, according to some D.C.-based policy center that uh, as many as 2,000 Alaskans could lose access to food stamps because of the change. But uh, they will also be more because the bill also adds new exemptions to the work requirements for veterans, homeless people, and former foster children up through the age of 24. Now, some states have already been exempting people who fell into those categories, and Alaska did not. The change is uh, likely to be significant since Alaska has more military veterans, uh, by far the highest proportion of the country. Nationally, the CBO said it expects the changes to result in more people receiving food stamps overall across the country, which, I mean, okay, that's it's going to be a, it is a thing. It's a thing. The bill also changes the work requirements for federally funded temporary assistance uh, for needy families program, which is a program that I personally had never heard of, but apparently it gives cash payments to poor families with children. The federal government, according to the uh, Alaska Beacon, requires half of a state's participating families to be working in order for the state to receive full aid. But there are credits that can reduce that requirement if a state shows progress in reducing the number of families receiving aid. Um, in Alaska, 30% of families receiving aid meet the work standard, but because of the credits, the target is only 8%. Uh, the new federal debt ceiling law changes the way that credits are distributed and depending on the state's performance, it may miss the new target, potentially losing federal funding. So there was a lot of discussion about some of the other things that were going to come out of this bill, whether or not there was going to be any significant cuts based on a bill that had been passed uh, by Kevin McCarthy's crew there in the uh, in the in the House earlier. Um, that fell completely apart. And there really and there was question as to whether or not there would be any kind of push by the same caucus that kept uh, Kevin McCarthy out of the speakership for a long time. And it turned out that it apparently was not much ado about nothing, that they were not going to get the cuts in government spending that were, were expected. And here we are. Here we are uh, at the end. Another debt ceiling. This has pushed it down the road for, well, I think this, this article doesn't touch on it, but a previous article that I was looking at uh, on Friday 
said that it looked looked like this was only going to push the debt ceiling off until the early part of next year. So, I mean, this is the here's the same here's the thing. This is the same kind of problem we're facing here in the state of Alaska. We have a legislature uh, at the national level that, just like at the state level, can't figure out that the main problem that we and why we continue to have these crises is, is that uh, crises is that we're continuing to spend more than we take in, and although the average, you know, single person, um, family, you know, single mom with two kids, you know, whoever, I mean, the average. They could figure out that they shouldn't spend more than they take in. Um, but somehow our vaunted legislators at both the national and the state level have just not figured that out yet. But they just we need we need more money to take care of you because we know better than you how you should spend your money. That's what we know. And, and, and here we are back to the whole debt ceiling um and uh, and the default and everything else uh stocks uh responded very favorably on friday they pounded back through the roof and you know <clears throat> i mean until the next time right that's the thing until the next time here's where we sit again all right we're coming up on the break we got more coming up don't go anywhere the michael duke show Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, what passed and what didn't pass in the legislature. We'll talk about the supplemental bill. Now, this is a bill that gets lost a lot of times in the minutiae of what's going on. But it's an important number. We're going to talk about that when we get back as well. And your phone calls. How about that? 907-433-3150. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Oh, well, hello. How are you guys doing? Beautiful, beautiful uh, weekend and uh, hell of a Monday. Hell of a Monday. Ready to go. Talk about the things that you want to talk about and see what's happening. All right. Let me go back here to see what the, uh, good morning, good morning, good morning. Did I bring back some pomegranate wine? Maybe, maybe, maybe some, some, maybe some strawberry watermelon and maybe some strawberry rhubarb too. I mean, you know, if we're going to do it. Um, and Sandy, as always has to be that ray of sunshine. And she says, 15 days or so, we're losing time again. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, if by grumpy old men you mean liberty-loving patriots, that's true. I mean, you know, but I just, 
I always kind of pictured the show as, you know, those guys sitting out on the front porch, you know, whittling away the hours trying to solve the trying to solve the problems of the world or the or the men, you know, hunkered down around the pot-bellied stove drinking uh drinking coffee and, you know, solving all the problems. Um All right, let me go here. Um uh, let's see. Is it TAMF is a welfare program that was the it was AIDS to it's the aid to needy families. Um, Harold says, I know. Don't tax everyone for every every bureaucrat's dream of solving world socioeconomic issues when they've never even taken econ one hundred and one. Let people keep their money. I mean, that sounds like a not a bad idea. Um. Markets hate uncertainty, said Brian. Yeah, exactly. That's what they were. They were definitely responding to that. Uh, they were. There was a lot of pins and needles going on in the markets right up until the point to where that debt ceiling thing was. Till till they till they raised it again. Um, has Dunleavy had the budget transmitted to him yet? I believe he has. I believe he has. That was our discussion on Thursday. I think with one of the with uh, Sarah Vance was that I believe that it has been transmitted to him. We'll see what's going on. Um, all right. <laughs> well, what, say? what did Rick say? What did Rick say? Had to hit the Tylenol this morning. Oh, okay. Had to hit the Tylenol this morning. Did too much yesterday. I did a whole lot of nothing yesterday, except enjoy the sunshine. Because I had to... Uh, <clears throat> I did the whole thing, uh, did the did the event in Homer, and the second the event was over, I climbed back in a car and drove back to Wasilla. So I had a whole lot of nothing going on yesterday, recuperating, enjoying the, the sunshine, and uh, filling my brain full of uh, useless relaxation. So it was good. Oh, good. Tuesday night. Tuesday night, the Fairbanks North Star Borough School District School Board is taking testimony on the new, I think she meant new health book on Thursday. Uh, assembly addresses the climate action plan. We need citizen input. <laughs> oh, man. Again, reason number 385 why homeschooling your kids is always good. Wear your safety glasses if you're snagging a suit. Tried to watch the Joe Pickett series, horrible. I feel bad for CJ Box. It was a horrible screenplay, bad ask, bad acting, and oozing political. That's too bad because I saw the trailer for that and I thought, well, I bet that probably is. I mean, because I was familiar with it. I had not read the series, but I was familiar with the series. Several friends have recommended it to me, the CJ Box series, uh, Joe Pickett. And I saw the trailer and I thought, well, that looks interesting. But based on your recommendation, I guess I will not be jumping into that one. Um, the governor is in Germany pressing the flesh and apparently working on a gas deal right now. I don't know if he's working on a gas deal or not. Uh, I know he's over there trying to uh, trying to wheel and deal and get some stuff done. But, I mean, who knows? Is it a gas deal? Is it a carbon deal? Is he just drinking free champagne? We'll have to see. All right, let's get back to it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
All right. Uh, welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Hour two of the big radio show and hour one of the big... I, apparently, I was already hoping it was hour two. That was crazy. Uh, hour one of the big radio show, and we are ready to go uh, to continue some discussions on headlines and more. Let's go back. Uh, let's go back over here. Oh, phone lines are open, too, by the way. Um... 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150 if you would love to be part of the program. If you've dreamed of being part of this program. <laughs> I don't know who's ever dreamed of being part of it. Uh but uh, feel free you can give us a call and uh we'll 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 jump into it with both feet. Um, yeah, so here's something that doesn't get a lot of play and doesn't get a lot of, uh, of press when it comes out, uh, because, you know, we've had the legislature, uh, and past legislatures brag about how well they did with the budget and how everything went and how everything was going and all this other kind of stuff and how they've done so well in holding back on spending or cuts or all these things. But, you know, the one thing that they never talk about in the end, the one thing that they never discuss after the fact is, and the one thing that they really never include in, uh, in if they show a graph or a chart of how their spending was and everything else, is they never include the supplemental budget. Now, what is the supplemental budget? Well, it's the true up. Right. It's the it's the uh, the budget where uh, at the beginning of the year they said this is how much we're going to spend on government. But unfortunately, unlike any other, you know, entity, family, business, whatever, if they get to the end of the year and they're like, you know, or they they see that they're running out of money, they slow down their spending. That doesn't happen with state government. No, they they continue on. They continue on spending. And then at the end of the year, they come back and they say, uh, they come back to the legislature and say, oh, by the way, we spent more than you gave us. So so we need you to true up and, and get it all scored away. And surprisingly, that's the one, you know, that's the... That's the one thing that that really doesn't get a lot of headlines. It doesn't get a lot of of uh, of 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 press in that regards. And so, even though last year was one of the highest, the highest budget in state history, at what was it six point? I can't even remember now. The number was so big six point one six point three billion dollars in state budget monies. Um, but, uh, that wasn't enough. No, that, that wasn't enough. In fact, it looks like to pay for state operations through June the 30th, the end of this fiscal year. So the end of this month to pay for it through the end of this month, it looks like they're going to need another $365 million dollars 300 over a third of a billion dollars more to cover everything 
for the end of the year. Bert Stedman was quoted in the article uh, from uh, uh, James Brooks over at the Alaska Beacon. We know we're underwater, uh, but we're pretty confident we're going to this. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> we know we're underwater. We're pretty confident that that's going to carry us through the end of the year. It's a third of a billion dollars. I should damn well hope that should carry you through the end of the year. So add that to the already, this is the highest budget in state history, and add that third of a billion dollars on top of that and wonder, wow, what do you, I mean, just wow. This is a bill that had been fast-tracked in the waning days of the legislature, uh, House Bill 79. It was proposed by the governor. And it was intended to address the food aid problems. Uh, it transferred $3.1 million from the Medicaid program to the Division of Public Assistance. It also allowed the division to use $3.7 million in additional federal funding for food aid. This was trying to speed up the whole food stamp uh, and SNAP assistance program with the backlog that they had there as well. The bill also contained $4.7 million in immediate funding for the Office of Public Advocate, uh, Advocacy and the Public Defenders Agency and uh, the sharply lowered state revenue forecast from the fall, which was released, uh, uh, which was released uh, in about three weeks ago, um, required lawmakers to include additional language that, in the bill that allows the state treasury to use money from the CBR. Uh, the $2.3 billion CBR, Constitutional Budget Reserve, to cover a hole in the state budget created by low oil prices. So they had fewer than expected revenues and then some, but that's where we're going right now. This is the the whole sup. And this is truly, this is not even truly the full supplemental because normally the supplemental budget is passed as one of the first bills of the next legislative cycle that they come back afterwards and and they you know 365 million dollars in addition to the six plus billion dollars that they've been working on okay oh okay that's just I, i just i don't even know what to say to that um, some good news, though, uh, I guess, for the Dunleavy administration and for many folks out there, they have been the some of that monies that we were just talking about um, was uh, meant to address the problems that have been going on at the Division of Public Assistance, where they had an 18,000 person backlog on applications for food stamps for renewals and things like that. Um, and they apparently have cut all that, uh, they apparently have cut all that down. The division director, Deb Etheridge, uh, said that they've been turning it around in, in, uh, the intervening months, uh, and they've cut it down by a significant amount. And in fact, the, uh, beacon quotes, a, uh, eligibility worker who spoke anonymously, uh, saying, uh, who had spoken out before. Uh, anonymously complaining about it now speaking out saying it's getting better and that uh, things are working and the environment is better and um, I guess with the changes of the division director definitely definitely helped 
but the whole backlog uh, is coming down at half the backlog from 18,000 down to about 8,000, 8,500 or so. So about 85, 8,600 people still remain, um, but um, it's, it's all it's all good, man. It's all good. What was the other thing that I wanted to talk about here before we uh, before we wander off the primrose path? Oh, this was the other thing. This just uh, this just rubs me the wrong way. So uh, I remember hearing something briefly about this, but this is a battle that's been taking place behind the scenes. The state of Alaska wants to start to collect taxes from um, the gig economy. And by the gig economy, those that you, you know, if you listen to the show, you know what I'm talking about, you know, like the, the um, Airbnbs and things like that. Well, there's one for car rental that's called Turo, T-U-R-O, Turo. It's an online platform where you can take your own car and you can rent it out to somebody. It's where you can advertise and rent your car and, you know, uh, rent it out to tourists or whoever. Now, this ride app has been, it's a, it's a renting app, not a ride app. It's not like a, it's not like a, it's not like a Lyft or an Uber. This is a, you rent them your car, no driver. It's just them. They get to keep it for however many days, just like you would do with the Airbnb for your, you know, your apartment or your, your extra room or whatever. And, um, well, Turo, uh, has been working here in Alaska and actually been making some serious inroads. Um, but the state of Alaska now wants to collect taxes from Turo. Um, and, uh, the dispute raises questions on how e-commerce is going to be regulated in Alaska and whether the state has the power to enforce its laws. The state has said that transactions made through Turo and other peer-to-peer car rental websites should incur the state's 10% vehicle rental tax, which has been imposed on sales by brick-and-mortar car rental agencies since 2003. Turo has argued it's not a car rental firm that owns a fleet of vehicles, meaning that it should not be liable for the tax. Um, according to the Deputy Revenue Commissioner Fadil Lamani, Turo accounts for a vast majority of online car rentals in Alaska, which makes sense because it's the largest ride sharing or uh, ride renting app on the in the world. Um, and that the state could be missing out on millions of dollars per year, <laughs> to which I say, oh, I'm so sad. Uh, without the data from uh, Turo itself, it says it's not possible uh, to estimate how much tax revenue the state is failing to receive. Um, but so in March of 2018, and I think this is originally where I heard about this whole thing, the state sued Turo for refusing to comply with subpoenas that required the company to show its financial records. But a superior court judge in Juneau dismissed the case and said the subpoena was overly broad and unduly burdensome. Um, the judge said that, uh, uh, since the tax division issued its subpoena for the express purpose of securing information to determine if Turo was, li uh, Turo was liable for state taxes, um, the subpoena was unsuccessful, the judge said, 
and because of that, he could not answer the underlying question in the case whether Alaska's rental vehicle tax should apply to Toro. Um, and since the case, uh, case was dismissed, the Department of Revenue has been seek, uh, seeking a legislative fix uh, for somebody to pass a bill supporting a, a measure to spell out in the state that Turo is responsible for collecting the state's 10% vehicle rental tax. A bill supported by the Dunleavy administration stalled in the Senate before the end of the first regular session this last month. To which I say, okay. I mean, oh, oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm okay with that. I mean, I just, this whole thing of, uh, it, it comes back to a case of protectionism in many ways. We've seen the same thing on the Airbnb side with the bed tax discussion and everything else. So maybe we should open that up a little bit. And I know we've got a lot of folks who are listening, uh, you know, down in Seward and down in uh, Homer and other areas where there have been some very vehement debates about things like, uh, about the gig economy, but specifically with things like uh, Airbnbs and Verbos and stuff like that, where people are renting their properties and it's gotten some of the hoteliers up in a twist because they're not collecting the full bed tax or whatever else. I would like to know what, um, I'd like to know what some of your thoughts are on this, especially for folks who have been in these areas and listened to these debates. I think we should continue to, um, I think we should continue to have a discussion about that. That's uh, where I'm at right here. All right, we got, um, we got more coming up. We're going to continue this thought on the Turo thing and the fact that the state of Alaska was actually out there garnishing, whew, Garnishing people's bank accounts for renting their cars out. We'll be back. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, fine. Uh, in the break right now, let me get caught up uh, with what you guys uh, have to say this morning. Hello. Let's see. Um... Oh, wait. Governor drinking champagne, beer pong. Um, God, sure. Alaska needs to scrape the scrap the operating budget and burn the office cubicle and get about increasing the capital budget. Well, yeah. Um, let's see. I'm going through here. Um, He'll retire to the lower 48, laughing all the way to the bank. But, yeah, you can't buy health. Well, you can't, but only so far. Okay. The incompetence of government agencies is astounding. I'm a gig. You be a gig, and we can be better off economically. Yeah, no. I mean, I agree. I, I love to embrace the whole idea of the gig economy. I think it turns the whole, I think it turns the whole thing on its head. 
and shakes it up. The problem is for many people, especially those who are, you know, uh, who are the kind of the bigger government crowd, the government is not agile enough to adapt fast enough to things like the gig economy. So they don't know exactly what's going on. And they're trying to they're playing, trying to play catch up all the time. Uh, some people have four or five cars on Turo and are high six-figure income earners. They're, they quote somebody in this story who has more than that, like 10, 15 cars or something. It's big money and uh, definitely big money. Um, the state should stop the oil giveaway before they tax Alaskan-owned businesses. Uh, okay. Here we go. I'm still scrolling through all the comments. Turo was a two-day debate. Um, Turo was a two-day debate in the 30-second ledge between Adam Wool and David Eastman. I apparently wasn't even paying attention to that debate, apparently. Um, there we go. Um... Any kind of e-commerce as a target for government busybodies. You know, Lynn says, you know, it's only $30 to run for office. Folks that have a better way should run for office, says Lynn. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I see your point, Lynn, but at the same time, having been there and done that at a different level, um, I also understand that there is, uh, boy, you got to have a little bit of masochist in you to be able to do that go down there and watch that happen especially when you know you're going to be in in the minority of a smaller more limited government nature when you're going to be in that minority you just you know that you know the pain is incoming you know what i mean oh it's gonna here it comes here comes the pain you know it's gonna be it's gonna be bad all right uh, there's a guy on the peninsula who rents cars, but his place looks like a car lot. There are 50 cars on his lot. Uh, are you saying that's a good or a bad thing? Um, Jeannie, is that a good or, uh, is that a good or a bad thing from your point of view? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's fine. And I'm, it's an example. She says, just an example. Okay. Yeah, they quote somebody in this article, which I'm going to get to here in um, in just a minute. Where was the article? I just had it. There we go. Um, they were just talking about, um, where is it? Rental cars are scarce, blah, 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 blah. Um. Uh, they have a given example of a lady in Anchorage who's a financial advisor who has 15 cars listed on Turo. And she says she'll make between $22,000 and $24,000 per month in June, July, and August with 15 cars. If that guy's got 50, he's definitely doing okay. Definitely doing okay. Um, it, it, well, I don't know. I, I've got a, I've got a lot of thoughts on, I've got a lot of thoughts on taxing, um, 
the individuals versus small brick and mortar businesses. Um, but I mean, I'm again, I'm not even in favor of 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 most of that. Now, the argument, of course, is, well, these are mostly people who are out of state. And so now you've got tourists paying the bill and everything else, um, which I see is just. Yes, you're right. But at the same time. It's the idea of just embracing more money for state government and thinking it's okay because we're stealing from the other guy is a little infuriating. Okay, here we go. Jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like it, share, like it, follow it. Let's do it. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, Enemy. Public enemy number one, which... That makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. Uh, yeah. I've been told that a time or two. In fact, I was just told it this weekend. You're a real pain in the... Hello, and welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Um, I've got thoughts on this whole thing with the Turo thing and the gig economy and, you know, the protectionism that government, because here's part of the problem. Maybe I should finish my story before we get into my product, my, because I know if I get into the part of the problem thing, I'll go off on a tangent and I'll never come back to finish the story. All right. So here's this story uh, on the Turo tax thing. So the number of cars, uh, this is, uh, by the way, this is an article from Sean McGuire over at the ADN if you want to go uh, read this thing. Um, the, uh, the number of Turo cars in Alaska has grown exponentially in recent years, especially after the end of COVID uh, because rental cars were scarce and the used car prices were out of this world. Uh, rental agencies, rental car agencies, which I think is interesting that they're the ones that are that are tracking this, not the state, but according to rental car agencies, that there are more than 3,000 vehicles listed on Turo in Anchorage and the Matsu alone, making the platform the largest single source of rental vehicles in the state. Uh, and this is a paradigm shift, right? I mean, this whole this whole idea of the gig economy, be it with uh, uh rentals or i mean this this is a it's a whole shift which again we'll get back into here in a minute uh Tur- turo declined to share with the uh, daily news how many alaskan hosts there are alaskan that's what they call the renter the rent the owners of the vehicles is hosts um but of course the rental car companies themselves want to talk about fairness um the executive VP of Avis Alaska said that hosting platforms should not get preferential treatment and effectively be allowed to charge lower fees for customers. He said uh, that some Turo hosts effectively operate like a small business and the state t- uh, should tax them like it. Turo has three categories of hosts and considers a professional host to typically have 10 or more cars, often using the platform as their primary source of income. Turo has seen a lot of growth. By the end of 2022, uh, they reported having 160,000 hosts and 320,000 active vehicles across 11,000 cities in the U.S., Europe, and Australia. Um, 
So what so what were they going to do? Well, the governor wanted a fix. They want to be able to they want to be able to do this because apparently the tax dispute has basically been going on quietly in a private war behind closed doors between the Dunleavy administration and Turo representatives. Those meetings, according to the Department of Revenue, said they were not fruitful and that Turo has been unwilling to find a workable solution. Uh, The Turo spokeswoman disputes that account. She said the state and the rental car industries have blocked any compromised tax figure from being approved, but the Turo users should not be required to pay the full 10% tax. She says we're willing to come to the table with anything between 0 and 9%, which, again, kind of makes sense because, for the most part, sure, you get your oddities in there. They they talk about a uh, they talk about an Anchorage financial advisor, Kayla Dinkle, who is listed as having 15 cars on Turo. Um, so sure, she's making money. They she estimates she'll make between tw- get this. I'm in the wrong business. Twenty two thousand to twenty four thousand dollars per month in June, July, and August. That's a that's a good bit of extra money if you can get it. Um. But, you know, the, the, the idea is, is that those kind of professional hosts are few and far between. That's not the standard. The norm is you got somebody who's got an extra vehicle or something and if they're renting it out for the summer. It's not the norm to have, you know, 10, 15, 20 vehicles out there. And so I agree with Turo in this regard. Uh, she said, we believe it's wildly unfair to local residents to have Turo users be required to pay the full 10% tax. And um, I would agree with that. They're not brick and mortar. That's not, it's, 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 again, it's a side gig. It's a side hustle. I'm just opposed to paying the taxes anyway. You know me, taxation is theft. Uh, Sorry, I want to yodel. I want to yodel at the top of my lungs about that right now. Um, But they've been fighting this and, making all but see the state of alaska got even nastier see the state decided uh on their own because they couldn't figure out what was going on they decided just to go ahead and garnish the bank accounts of some of these folks for failing to pay the vehicle tax but of course they have no idea how much they actually made so they started guessing dinkle said that the state garnished her bank account twice but one amount was refunded, she said, after the state had guesstimated how much she'd earned. <laughs> so they just they just guesstimated and went ahead and garnished your garnished your bank account. The governor quietly ended the direct tax collections from the Turo hosts through garnishment late last year, anticipating a legislative fix, according to the Department of Revenue memorandum. Um, alongside the bill, which Matt Clayman introduced um, this year, 127, Senate Bill 127, introduced in April. It's the latest attempt to resolve the Turo tax dispute. Um, Under Clayman's bill, Turo would impose the 10% vehicle tax on the renter at the point of sale through its app or website, and the company would then remit the tax to the state quarterly instead of having to go down through the people who actually own the car, Turo would instead implement the tax and pay the tax back. Uh, They say this would be easy for Turo because they already do this in 40 states. 
and it looks like that Turo's just dragging its feet. And um, I, I wouldn't disagree. And you know what? Good for them. I mean, good for them that they're just that they're you know holding holding off as long as they can until this thing uh, goes on. So anyway, this opens up a very interesting discussion about the gig economy in general. And so I want to talk about that as well, because this is the this is the blessing. Uh, I guess it depends on where you're at, what, you know, which 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 direction you're coming at this from. But this is the blessing or the curse of the gig economy and that technology in that it moves faster than government can anticipate. Government does not have the reflexes. Uh, it's it's a very slow moving process. They cannot react and adapt and change fast enough uh, for most of this. Um, and that's, I think, in many ways, a good thing. Um, and I am very happy to see more and more people participate in these things. And I don't think that they should. Uh, but it also raises questions of, again, protectionism. And that's where I'm probably going to get in trouble with some of you out there. Because I don't believe that the Airbnbs and some of these other people, I don't think they should be paying taxes at the same rate as people professionally who are doing this professionally. Maybe there's a threshold. Maybe there's something in there. But uh, and I know that somebody now is just as I just said, that is probably screaming at their radio and shaking their fist at me uh, because they have some kind of uh, skin in the game in that regard. But uh, I would love to hear what you have to say. And like I said, I know that this has been going on. Well, specifically, I've seen several uh, stories and discussions in the last four or five years going down in Homer over because of the question of housing and then what rentals are and then the effect on the bed tax and all these other kind of things. So I know that it's been a hot button issue down there and probably in other places around the state. I would love to hear what you guys have to say on the idea of should somebody who has an Airbnb or a Toro or something, should they be taxed uh, at exactly the same rate that the brick and mortar places are and all this other kind of stuff? Or should they just be left alone? Should they just be, I mean, that's just the, you know, uh, I mean, to me, it's a little bit of a, uh, to me, it's a little bit of a, uh, of a, uh, um, I, I just don't, I, I, I think it should be a reward for being so, uh, inventive and finding different ways to do things. I would be happy for them not to pay the tax, but again, I don't participate in any of those things. So maybe I'm wrong. You can tell me though, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. The Michael Duke show getting ready to, um, wrap things up for hour one in hour two we're going to talk a little bit about uh maybe a couple stories or two we got some more phone calls from you and a question that i got several times this weekend as i got a chance to meet a lot of folks who um, had never heard of the show and uh wanted to know what's it all about what what is it that you do well let me tell you we'll talk about that here We'll talk about that here in just uh, a little bit. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. 
Don't forget, you can also drop us an email, me at michaeldukeshow.com, me at michaeldukeshow.com. If you want to sound off, we're back with more after this. Let's see uh, what else you guys got going on here. Um, tax Turo to support uh, out of shape bureaucrats sitting in a cubicle developing heart disease. Oh, whoever got garnished needs to bring action. I mean, that's what I said to me. I mean, look, there's no, you know, it's not. Yeah, I would make that. I would be making that argument, especially when they're just when they admit that they're guesstimating, that they're guesstimating what's going on. I think Donna's got it right. Any 10 percent tax is obscene. Yeah. Uh, Daniel says 15 cars. You need 25 cars to make as much as the legislature. <laughs> You're not wrong. You are not wrong, my friend. Okay. Um, let's see. Somebody uh, from the peninsula needs to rent a car at the airport and they can't. They move them all up to Anchorage for the summer. So if your car breaks down and you need to roll her for a couple of weeks, you'll be taking a cab back and forth to work. Yeah. I mean, that was the same problem in Fairbanks. They were housing and wintering all their cars down. A lot of them are most of their cars in Anchorage. They had a very limited fleet in the winter in Fairbanks. If you needed to rent a car, it was a very, very tough thing. Uh, Cindy says, my guests, I'm assuming Cindy is doing Airbnb. Uh, started using Turo because they couldn't rent them from the car rental agencies and the prices were astronomical. Typical state move to tax private businesses trying to fill a need. That is the, that's the quote of the day right there, Cindy. Um, well, let's see. That's theft. Yeah, it's, that's theft. Sounds illegal as hell to me, says Terry. Yeah, I know. With the garnish, you know, when you get your, your they just come in and garnish your bank account but on a guess. I know. Uh, <laughs> legislative fix <laughs> is optimism is adorable. Um. Okay. The term is regulatory capture. I think healthcare and big agricultural are the biggest culprits. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's regulatory capture. That's what they're trying to do. And you know, again, the first quote at the beginning of the article just kind of sums it all up. Um, that 
Deputy Revenue Commissioner Fadil Limani uh, said Turo accounts for a vast majority of online car rentals in Alaska, and the state could be missing out on millions of dollars each year. The state could be missing out on all the... <laughs> oh, man. Bullies always try to eliminate competition. That's what Robbie was just saying. Yeah. What about folks that let campers park on their property? Uh, did you charge them? You should be paying a bed tax, don't you know? Let's see. Aaron says, don't we already pay taxes on our homes? If you want to spend some time with a stranger in your house, why should the state get money? That's a valid question. That's a very valid question. Um, are you familiar with how the taxi companies in New York City pushed out owner-operators using government? That's what I'm going to talk about next, Timothy. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> the medallion system. All right. Uh, Bert's hometown is full of Turo. Um, and the available rental cars in Fairbanks had summer tires. You know, that round in, in North Pole. Yeah, the roundabout in North Pole with summer tires in the middle of winter. Ooh, baby. The greed is just unfathomable. And the entitlement oh, no, is the greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. I just don't fathom it. I just don't fathom it. It is unfathomable. <clears throat> Why don't the rental car companies lower their rates? Well, because uh, it's supply and demand, baby. They've got the supply, you've got the demand, they can name any price they please. Any price they please. <clears throat> That's the bottom line to that. Any price that they want. And they don't like competition. They don't like the competition. They definitely don't like to see these Turo things out there because it cuts into what they're doing. All right. Let's see here. What else we got? That's it. We're down to the, we, we got to all the comments. And just in the nick of time, too. Look at that. We are out of time. Jumping back into it for hour two. The Michael Luke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the 
Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find everything to do with the show, including the links to the uh, podcast, which is available on CastBox, Stitcher, Spotify. Also links to our social media sites, where we simulcast the radio show each and every day, right here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And finally... Also, uh, the uh, audio-only live stream. Plus, we're broadcasting on regular old terrestrial radio. It's good stuff. Uh, Across the state of Alaska. On this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Welcome to the program, and thank you for continuing with us. It is fun day. Uh, Monday. Monday, fun day. Fun day, Monday. And we're calling it that because... I'm trying to speak positive. I'm trying to be positive. I didn't, you know, I wanted one more day, one more day. As much as I loved, I went down, to, I was at Homer on Saturday and was uh, emceed the big, uh, the big event there, the Bear Creek Music Festival, where they um, helped raise a lot of money for the Nikki uh, Gera, uh, Gera uh, it's Nikki Fry's uh, Scholastic uh, Scholarship Fund. And I apologize. I, I always butcher the middle name. Um, anyway, uh, the scholarship fund, memorial fund, and it was a good time, met a lot of great people, um, uh, had a lot of, uh, had a lot of great music. There was good food, um, and got a chance to, uh, to chat with a bunch of different folks. So I want to say hi to, uh, Chris and Peter and Sandy and Ash and, uh, Shane and all the people that I met down there. What a great group of folks. Um, and it was just, it was amazing. It was a great, great time. Uh, but then I bombed it back here on Saturday night and uh, got a chance to do a little re- rest and relaxation on my one day uh, here yesterday. So we're calling it Funday Monday. Uh, why? Well, because I said so. Let's uh, let's jump in. We've got uh, phone lines open right now at 907 433 3150. And it's open line, open form. But what we've been talking about here is the gig economy. And specifically, we've been talking about Turo. Uh, Turo is a rental app. It's a gig economy style rental app um, that is used to rent out your private vehicle. So if you've got uh, you know kids off in college or they're you know whatever you got an extra car uh, around your homestead that's just sitting there collecting dust and well that's what Toro is for you can rent out the vehicle and uh, they can uh, they can utilize it to uh, for tourists or whoever needs to go out and do it it is a uh, just another find a need fill a need kind of thing right I mean it's like the Airbnb for cars. Um, uh, or the Verbo for cars or whatever. It's called Turo. So the state of Alaska has been in a spat with Turo since 2018, so we're going on five years now. And the state is demanding that Turo collect the 
rental car tax that they have uh, tacked on uh, for rental cars here in the state of Alaska. First and foremost, 10%. I think Donna... I think Donna said it best, but Donna said uh, any 10% tax is uh, is uh, basically uh, uh, offensive. Any 10% tax is obscene. And I agree with that. I mean, any 10, I mean, just a full 10% tax, but they went further than that. They actually started garnishing the bank accounts of Turo, um, of, of, owners, hosts, that people that own Turo cars, they actually started garnishing their bank accounts for taxes that they perceived with guesstimates because they have no idea how much you actually made. So they just started willy-nilly sucking money out of accounts and be like, well, we think you made this much. What the, how, what the hell are you thinking? Uh, they've since stopped that practice. They reversed a few. They did all this other kind of stuff, but they're fighting with it all the time. But th- here's the problem: the driving force behind uh, the driving force behind all this stuff, and you can read it in this article that's over in the ADN. This is an article from Sean McGuire talking about Turo. The driving force behind this is the rental car companies, because they um i mean they 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 say it's about fairness they say that everybody should nobody should have preferential treatment that the playing field i love the whole the whole phrase of you know level playing field but we've seen this we've seen this play out before right we saw it play out in the anchorage market uh when it came to uber and lyft We've seen when it uh, it's been it's been battled out in various communities around the country and around the state on things like Airbnbs, where they were like, oh, this really affects it in areas where there is a tremendous high demand and there's not enough supply to fill it. Let's be honest. Most of these places, most of these gig economy apps would not work and would not make money and would not be viable unless there was a demand in the market for that good or service. If there was enough hotel rooms uh, or, or, or B&Bs or um, uh, motel rooms or whatever at a reasonable rate in any given community, the Airbnb would be, I mean, it would just like, it'd be okay. But they, w- they, wouldn't, they wouldn't explode. They wouldn't expand. If there was enough decent, clean, comfortable taxis in a given community with a reasonable rate, things like Uber and Lyft would not take off. Right? I mean, this is the ultimate expression of entrepreneurship. Find a need, fill a need. But, of course, government wants to capture theirs. That's, like, again, in the first few paragraphs of this article, the deputy commissioner of revenue in the state is quoted as saying that Alaska could be missing out on millions of dollars a year in revenue because that's always what it's all about. Let's punish the small guy entrepreneur and those kind of things. But the bottom line is, is that what we end up with in many of these instances is protectionism. The industry calling on government to protect their quasi-monopoly on what's going on, right? Everybody's got to, you know, this is the same thing when you get big corporations 
that call on the government that they the big corporations doing some industry mining or whatever I mean, fill in the blank with whatever industry it is these large corporations embracing the regulatory effect of government because they understand that the cost of those regulations don't scale well for small independent entrepreneurs that only they as the larger corporations have the capital and the wherewithal to comply with many of those regulatory burdens and so they go out there and they they lobby government to have more to have more of those regulations because only they can compete it's the same kind of idea it is utilizing government as a bludgeon against small business and things that are filling the gap and filling the need and and doing it all in the name of fairness if you wanted fairness what the car company should be doing is saying, hey, we should not have a 10%. We should have a 5% tax. And then we could reduce our cost to our rental cars and we get more people in there. And we'd have a better comp. I think that's what they should do. But again, the state's not going to let go of any revenue that it can at any given, given you know, any day, shape, or form. We saw this play out. Somebody mentioned the New York taxi cab issue earlier. We saw the same kind of thing play out down there where – the, the cabs, you know, over the years, they got together and they worked with the city and they utilized government to create the medallion system so that, you know, you're a verified cab or whatever. And now those medallions, which started out, you know, they're hundreds of thousands of dollars to have to buy a medallion in New York is basically a permit. Uh, there's a limited number. And once there's a limited number, of course, the cost associated with each one skyrocket. So if you want to sell your your if you want to sell your your medallion, it's now worth a half a million bucks to have a medallion in New York City driving a cab. I mean, this is what happens. But this is the benefit. This is the beauty of the gig economy because, again, it's super flexible. It, it can adapt quickly. And government, generally speaking, cannot. And the ones that are complaining the most are the one here's the thing here's the thing it's not like the rental car companies or in the case of Airbnb the hotels or the motels it's not like they're getting to uh, keep the bed tax money right they've got to collect it it's a pass through like everyone else and it's not like most of these places are not full up all the time anyway in the summer and everything else when most of this is a problem but it it they come back to that idea of somehow this is an equity and fairness issue when these for the most part the the story highlights a couple people or or one person particularly who does this quasi professionally by having 15 cars on Turo but for the most part this is mom and pop who've got an extra car cuz juniors off to college and they want to have it see some use and they want to make some extra money out of it. This is not a full-time business for most folks. The Airbnb is not a full-time. It's usually a supplementary income thing. Maybe it's only for a couple months of the year um, and all that kind of stuff. This is, so I, I guess I, I don't understand necessarily the argument since they're, I guess, well, it's equity. Well, the Turo apps, what they really want to do is they want to force the Turo apps because it's depressing the it's depressing the overall market rate on something like rental cars. Because you're right. If you tried to rent a car in Alaska 
today, right now? I mean, it's 200 bucks a day, you know, for a shoebox. 200 bucks a day for a compact, you know, 300 bucks a day for a medium-sized car. It 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 is a significant amount of money. And if Turo's doing it for less, they just don't like the competition. They want to protect that market price. That's really what it's about. So this is really more about it's not about equity and fairness. It's about punishment and it's about protectionism. Now, I can't blame the car industries, the rental car industries for doing that. They I mean, this is their business. They want to see that. The levers of government are available to them. They want to be able to pull them. Good for them. I I mean, that's totally your right. But in the long run, in this kind of David and Goliath fight, I kind of want to, I kind of want to, I kind of want to, you know, vote for David in this regard. Because I think that this gives people an opportunity to, again, monetize some of the things that, you know, maybe whether it's a spare room or a spare vehicle, it gives them that opportunity to monetize those things. And, uh, and I think that's great. I, I think that that's great. And I think that we should be encouraging that instead of, uh, I think we should be encouraging that instead of trying to chastise it and change it and tear it down. That's just, that's just what I think. Maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. Uh, but give me a call. Tell me what you think. What are your thoughts on these kind of things? 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. I'd love to hear from you this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the show itself and ideas and thoughts. And I don't know. We're just going to... We're just going to throw some stuff around. Oh, and I might have some land deals for you, too, uh, coming up. We're going to be back. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Well. Scrolling backwards. Scrolling backwards, scrolling backwards. Okay. Uh, Turo, blah, 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 blah. When the car fleet, when the car fleet a person is using to rent out their cars on the app teaches a certain number, they should be considered commercial, be taxed. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what you were trying to say there, Sandy. How did they do that exactly? Uh, okay. The vehicles in Sitka on Turo are over $110 per day. Yeah, I'm interested to know what it is at your local car rental agency. Our neighbor had one Turo car and it made him over 1000 bucks a month. I mean, that sounds good to me. Um, let's see. The middleman wants a cut. Middleman, parasites, yada, yada, yada. The Sitka Assembly 
was concerned about Sitka folks having an equitable share of the tourist tour, town's tourist industry. If I rent my car on the side, isn't that personal income? I thought Alaskans didn't have income tax. I mean, that's exactly kind of what I'm saying. What we got there. Um, it's the same thing in Oregon and Washington. A person can't afford to rent a car. The price is more than doubled in just the last two years. Why doesn't the Dunleavy administration just drop the tax on all rental cars and take more of our dividend? That would be more fair. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there you go right there. Um, Alaska government deflecting again versus working on a bloated budget. They'll just property tax those land deals, says Bill. Just property tax those land bills. I mean... I, I see this, all this pushback. And, and of course, anything new is immediately, you know, suspect. And the government immediately wants to try and find to get their their pound of flesh out of it. Right. I mean, that's they, they immediately try to get their their hooks into it. And that's the problem. I mean, they they can't figure because they can't move and adapt fast enough to deal with this change. That is, again, the problem with government is that it's not at well. I mean, the good thing, I guess, about government is that it's just not agile enough to adapt to things like the gig economy and things like that. Um, eventually, I'm sure that there will be some kind of tax that will go down. And even Turo has said they're open to discussing any tax between 0 and 9%, but they don't believe that the Turo host should have to pay the same thing as a brick-and-mortar site. Which I agree. Because I think the 10% tax is uh, outrageous to begin with. But see, the people feel like, oh, we can do it because it's only affecting the tourists. Right? We need to capture more of that tourist money. So it's okay if we tax them. <laughs> Let's just legalize brothels and see who opens up shop. Legislature could be doing a booming business over there because I'm constantly getting screwed. Uh, never mind. Um... <laughs> oh man can't have individuals making decisions without government oversight says robbie yeah that's all about control can't have individuals making all that decisions without the government watchdog telling us if it's right or wrong i mean why can't we just leave people alone that's my question <laughs> Oh, my God. Make brothels great again. I could see this is de degenerating into a conversation that nobody wants to have, I'm sure. Oh, man, it's quiet out there today. It's like, I mean, what is everybody still waking up? I know I could use another pot of coffee. I could use another pot of coffee for sure. All right. Mm. <laughs> Uh, Randy, Randy should be chiming, Randy, Randy should be ch chiming in on this. Yes, he probably should. All right. Let's, uh, let's continue on here this morning. We got more coming up, uh, and maybe your phone calls and thoughts. We're just winging it today. Winging it. Let's get going. Here we go.
All right. Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Luke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. We've been talking about Turo, the gig economy. We talked about the supplemental budget. We talked about a lot of stuff this morning, kind of all over the place. But that's okay. It's Monday. I mean, we shouldn't have to decide how the rest of the week goes today, right? But this is your opportunity to drive the bus as well. Phone number to call, 907-433-3150. If you'd like to sound off this morning, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say today. Talk about uh, whatever it is that you want to talk about. You could steer the conversation. Oh, yesterday. (laughs) Somebody just mentioned in the chat room that yesterday was the anniversary of Killdozer. Which, if you want to talk about the ultimate frustration with government, you can Google Killdozer and you can see exactly what, sometimes, what government drives people to do. There you go. Um, All right, so one of the interesting questions that I got over and over, and again, open line today. So if you guys want to interrupt me at any time, feel free to do so. By the way, special thanks to our friends at Satellite West for sponsoring the program again today. You could find out about them at SatelliteWest.com. It doesn't matter where you are, from Selawik to Seldovia, from Menchumana to Metlakatla, from Ninana to Nanilchik. No matter where you are in the state of Alaska, Satellite West has got the connectivity to keep you connected. That was redundantly redundant, but you know what I mean. They've got the tools and the talent to pull you all together and keep you connected. Phone calls, emails, uh, emails, Uh, Phone calls, emails, text messages, surfing the internet, and more. Go and check them out at SatelliteWest.com. SatelliteWest.com. Proud sponsors of the uh, radio show uh, for today. Well, every day. Thank you. Thank you so much to Satellite West for being part of it. Um, All right. So I got to, you know, again, met a lot of very cool folks this weekend. Uh, A lot of interesting people. And, um, and it got a chance to chat. So a lot of folks, uh, and I mean, I know it's hard for you guys to believe it's hard for listeners to believe some people don't know me and don't know what I do. It's shocking. I know. Shocking. Um, this is what happens when you have a low budget radio show. Um, but uh, I met a lot of people who hadn't heard of the show and we got chatting and they're like, so what, you know, so what's the show about? And I, you know, a lot of times you're like, okay, well, the standard answer is, well, this show is really just about Alaskan politics, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it is, but I, you know, I, I think it's interesting because I go at things from such a different perspective. Um, you know, there's the whole thing about the left versus right dichotomy. And I used to say, uh, you know, I'm just a libertarian. Everybody hates me, right? Because the left, uh, the left hates me because I'm a smaller government guy and I don't want to spend a bunch of money on government programs and social services and things that, you know, should be handled by different, you know, entities and things like that. And the right hates me because I am in many ways ambivalent what people do in the privacy of their own home or do whatever. I mean, I, I don't necessarily have to agree with it, but I also don't have to care because it's not me. Right. 
And that's that's kind of where I'm at. That's kind of where I'm at. So I thought, well, you know, we'll just do a little refresher on uh, because it's like, you know, you know, somebody said, well, what do you mean? You're, you know, when you said I because I, you know, I'm a libertarian. Is it what does that mean? Well, <clears throat> that's a good question because there's a lot of different um, <laughs> there's a lot of different levels of libertarianism, I guess. Well, I mean, even in this state, it's like it's like saying in this state that you're a Republican. Well, are you a Burt Stedman Republican? Are you a Natasha von Imhoff Republican? Or are you a Mike Schauer, Rob Myers type Republican? Right? I mean, two different, you know, two different. So you're right. Labels don't always work, I guess, is, is what my, my cue to that would be, is the labels don't always work. So I guess for those of you who uh, I've mentioned it throughout the years, but maybe never really broken it down, what is, you know, being a libertarian in the state of Alaska? And I guess I should classify to begin with um, that, first off, I mean, small L libertarian. Well, what do you mean, small L? Well, a lot of times when you see somebody who's a libertarian with a big L, big L libertarians are members of the libertarian party. You know, they ascribe to the the tenants or the newsletters or the whatever of the Libertarian Party. I am not affiliate. I've never been a member of any party whatsoever. I mean, technically, if you look at me on the voter rolls, I am undeclared, right? Undeclared, unaffiliated. <clears throat> and what is that, you know, what does that go for? Uh, I'm a small L Libertarian, meaning that I don't know that necessarily any party would fulfill you know, mark off all the boxes of the things that, uh, that, uh, that I wanted, that I want. Um, so <clears throat> I decided, uh, in the end that, uh, I'm just not going to join anybody and I'll do my own thing. So what, what is a libertarian, um, in, in my regard, you know, what, what is my form of libertarianism? Well, I think my friend Matt Kibbe probably said it. He sums it up in probably the, the the easiest way to analyze it, and that is don't hurt people and don't take their stuff, right? That's his that's his boiled down aesthetic of what libertarianism is, is basically don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. I believe in basically being able to do anything that I want to do as long as I don't hurt anyone else or infringe on their rights because my rights end where your rights begin, right? That's the, that's the whole idea is that my rights only go so far and then I don't want to interfere on your rights. So I believe that we should be allowed to do pretty much whatever we want as long as we're not hurting anybody, we're not infringing on anybody else's rights. That's the basis that I built kind of my whole personal philosophy on. And so while I know a lot of people out there get, you know, get wound up about different things, especially social things, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, talking about different types of drugs or, you know, the, the whole uh, I want to marry my toaster or whatever. I don't care about any of those things. I mean, I care about them from my own personal perspective, but I'm not out there telling people what to do or not to do. Right. It's none of my business. I will tell if you ask me, I will tell you whether I believe that that is right or wrong. I have my own personal belief to say whether or not I believe that is righteous or unrighteous. But I'm not just going to, you know, 
give it to you unsolicited. I'm just not going to say, well, I think you're, I'm not going to walk up to you and say, I don't like the cut of your jib, mister. I'm just not going to do that because it's none of my business. Now, on the swing side of that, if you want to come in and get in my face about not using the proper prone, no, sorry. That's also none of your business, what I do. See, I piss off everyone equally. That's my job. My job is to just make everybody angry. Not really. But, I mean, that's just kind of where I'm at. I really don't care. Here's what I hate to see. I hate to see people utilizing government as a bludgeon from both sides of the aisle. Right? I don't want to see the government come down and force a lifestyle down my throat that I don't agree with. And I also don't want the government to force down a lifestyle down somebody else's throats that maybe they don't agree with. Government could be used as a bludgeon by either side, and I just don't want government to have the hammer to begin with. That's where I'm at. I, I just want to be left alone. That's what I want. My dream of the libertarian society is to, uh, you know, what was the what was the old uh, meme that I saw the other day? Um, our dream is to take over the world and do absolutely nothing. Right? Just be left alone. I mean, that's that's what it that's what it comes down to. So again, don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. Leave people be. You know. You want to smoke reefer all day and hang out and play Xbox in your mom's basement? So be it. I'm not going to no you go. You be you. You know, you want to marry your toaster or you know, your the guy, the gal, the two's the guy, the three guys and gal. Go ahead. I I mean fine. But I'm but don't force me to say that everything's all just that's all copacetic. Just don't bug me about it. I just, because I know that in the end, we're all, we all have to face the seat, you know what I mean? In the end. And so I'm just going to be like, I, leave me alone. Let me do my thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you hurt kids, no. That's where, no. That's a whole different thing, Robbie. It's a whole different thing. So anyway, that gives you a little bit of a flavor of where I'm at. Because people were asking about it. And I got a little wound up about it at one point this weekend. I may have scared somebody. All right, let's uh, let's go over to the phones and see what you have to say. 907-433-3150. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Rattles up in Pleasant Valley. Hello, Rattles. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, I'm really proud of my representatives, you know, cutting, cutting them in my dividend and then giving themselves a raise. Why don't you just flip me the middle finger? Oh, they did. Didn't you see that? That was the raise. That was the 67% raise while they cut your dividend. That was, that was a, a simi- that was a simulacrum of a middle finger in case you hadn't missed that. <laughs> Pretty sick. That's, that's really low mentality doing something like that. Well, it definitely uh, is definitely a little frustrating yeah. rattles for sure. I mean, when you see that kind of stuff and that kind of reaction, of we need a 67% raise, but you guys don't really need this free money. Yeah, that's a little frustrating for sure. You thought right it is. 
All right. Well, thank you, Rattles. I appreciate you calling in. Let you know me... your program comes on. Up, oh, I accidentally he he hit the button and uh, or I hit the button and he's sorry, Rattles. I apologize. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? It's Charles in Fairbanks. Uh, Hello, Charles. Another re- another obscure reference is a uh, for a libertarian politician is Frank. Todorov, but he's a buddy of William F. Buckley's dad, actually. William F. Buckley got his libertarian inspiration from Frank Todorov. I don't know how the uh, conservatives blend in with the libertarians these days, but uh, I'd suggest looking up Frank Todorov as a libertarian uh, political example, and he's kind of not heard of. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Charles. I appreciate your call. 907-433-3150. That leaves all the lines open, but we're also up against the break. So let's let's head on out, and we'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. Now I'm back for reels. Now I'm back for reels. I was like, what happened? What happened? What happened? You'll know push button is what happened. I pushed wrong button. I could hear myself, but you couldn't hear me. See, that's what happens. That's what happens. Um, anyway, yeah, as, uh, Hawk points out, 16 dividends had to be cut for every raise. 16 people lose their dividend for so that legislators can get that, that sweet, sweet 67% pay raise. <sighs> Don't worry. They're looking out for you. Don't you worry. They are looking out for you, my friends. That's what it's all about. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the most eloquent thing I said in there was basically take the hammer away from both sides. That's the problem, right? Yeah, Donna's always right when it comes to math. Yeah, that was Donna's. that was Donna's point was that it was 16. 16 dividends taken for every one raise. But this is the problem, is that everybody wants the hammer. One side wants the hammer for their things, and then they lament the fact on the other side when the other side gets into power and they utilize the hammer for their things. And my argument has always been, take away the damn hammer. Take away the hammer. That's what we need to be doing. Instead of giving government a bludgeon to use for one side or the other, just take the governmental power away. And um, let people do their thing. 
let people do what they want to do as long as they're not hurting anybody else. Yes, including the children. Including the children. Um, but as long as they're not hurting anybody else, just let people do what they're going to do. Okay. Uh, yeah, Harold said, uh, the kid FaceTimed over Starlink. The company bought out, brought out their own Starlink. Rural Alaska is filling with Starlink. So much for the billions being spent by the guy. I mean, I had to look at that and I was like, how many billions of dollars are they spending to build out all this rural infrastructure for internet when all they need to do is drop a $300 Starlink unit into everybody's, you know, you could save yourself a ton of money just by doing that. But no, they're going to, again, this is the corporate, this is the corporate subsidies that we talked about. And this is the problem with government not being, uh, not being flexible enough to, and not being uh, uh, adept and uh, agile enough to address changes in the market. Starlink is coming in and it's changing the game for rural areas. You don't have to lay down fiber. You don't have to have a huge satellite uplink with hundreds of dollars a month to do all this kind of stuff. Starlink is offering high-speed stuff for 100 bucks a month, like half a gig down for 100 bucks a month. It's, uh, but, but government can't adapt to that. They can't, they can't change directions that fast. And companies, you know, GCI, et cetera, they know that. That's because they built they built a huge part of their corporate structure now and their corporate income on these government contracts to all these various communities. And you can see it now. GCI has been dropping their prices. Uh, you've seen some articles recently about how they're dropping prices in various areas and doing this, partially because they understand that even – Starlink is not stable enough. Like, I have a Starlink unit, but it's not stable enough for me to run the show on yet because they're still putting up satellites this summer. Hopefully, by the fall, everything will be up and ready to go. But <laughs> they are, um, they are, it's coming. And most people are happy to pay a third of the cost. I was seeing some of the prices. Some people in the villages are having to pay like 300 bucks a month for some of this stuff. And. <laughs> for getting a fraction of what they'd get on Starlink. So Starlinks are starting to go out to the villages and it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting thing. It's going to, it's going to be an interesting thing to see what happens in the future with that. All right. Uh, we got to go. Uh, one final segment, the Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio, like and share, like and follow. Let's do it. Here we go. Now. Okay. Welcome back. One final segment of the program this morning. 
Don't forget, coming up tomorrow on the program, Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets will be joining us for the weekly top three. And we'll get our weekly life coaching lesson from the guru of positivity. Chris Story, the man from Homer. He will be uh, joining us uh, in hour two of the broadcast tomorrow. Then on Wednesday, well, I'm thinking about doing a what if Wednesday. I know we talked about that earlier. Um, I know we talked about that earlier uh, last week. We were thinking about doing a what if segment. And I did get some positive feedback from folks in the chat room and from a couple messages. So maybe we'll do that on Wednesday and just talk about, I don't know, basic preparedness or something like that. Or we may get some other guests on. I got a couple of guests from Reason in my pocket here who they got some issues that we could be talking about from Reason Magazine. Meanwhile, this last final segment of the show today, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Feel free to give us a ring and let's um, let's chit-chat about anything, um, whatever it is that you want to talk about. Uh, I'm up for it. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Feel free to give us a, feel free to give us a ring and, and run us up on that. Uh, one final story. Uh, as of today, the Alaska Department of Natural Resources is now offering a unique opportunity for Alaskans. Uh, this happens, um, I don't know if it happens every year, but at least every couple of years. They are offering up number, uh, the offering is number 495. It is the Alaska State Land Auction for 2023. So you have a unique opportunity to own um, more land in Alaska. They have 209 parcels available right now with options ranging from road accessible properties, you know, with, with power and sewer just around the corner to remote par uh, parcels that you'll need an airplane to fly into, right? And they got a whole bunch of different ones. Um, Alaska residents who are interested in acquiring a piece of the uh, of land in the last frontier can submit their sealed bids for the available parcels through a bunch of different channels. They can be submitted online, in person, or by mail until October 3rd at 4.30 p.m. on October the 3rd. And the high bids will be announced on October the 24th. Each bidder has the potential to win and purchase up to two parcels giving you an excellent opportunity to secure multiple pieces of land. And there is a discount for veterans. So veterans get a discount. Uh, then if any of the 209 parcels that are up and available are unsold after the auction, Alaskans, non-residents, or businesses have a chance to purchase them through the over-the-counter sales starting on November the 28th of this year. And you can uh, check out the OTC website at the land sales websites uh, in the view. Anyway, you can go to dnr.alaska.gov and you could take a look at all that. And the best news is, is that uh, the DNR also offers competitive in-house financing options. So you could purchase those land purchases and help support, uh, you know, the, the buyers are supported by being able to purchase those lands at a <clears throat> reasonable rate as well. 
And that's good. I mean, we should be getting more land into the hands of Alaskans instead of having it just sit uh, fallow, so to speak, um, in state hands. Uh, when you look at it across the state of Alaska, you know, we've got something like 70, 76, no, 74 percent, must be 74, uh, 73, 74 percent of the lands in the state are basically under federal control. You've got 26% of the land under state control, and you've got like 1% of the state lands in the state in private hands. We need more land in private hands. That's what that's what grows wealth in the, you know, in this uh, in this world is the access to land and whether you're using it for commercial purposes or private purposes or whatever. I am always happy to see more land get out into these auctions and on the over-the-counter sales and things like that. Um, I would, I would love to see more people picking up more land in the state. And sometimes they're in some pretty, you know, sometimes there's some pretty cool pieces out there. You just gotta, you gotta watch. You gotta watch and wait and see where this all goes. But uh, anyway, if you go to dnr.alaska.gov. They, uh, they've got to have something on the land sales right there on the, uh, on the website. So go out there and check it out and get yourself a piece of the last frontier. Special thanks to Suzanne Downing for writing a little blurb on that there for the, uh, Mustard Alaska. It was good to see there. So we got a chance to uh, check it out. Um, <laughs> oh, I would wake up early for what if Wednesday says Jim, uh, in the chat room. I think a lot of people, you know, sometimes I'll be honest with you. I'm a little self-conscious sometimes about um, talking about kind of the idea of preparedness and everything else, simply because I think, again, to me, being a third generation Alaskan, being raised by, you know, a woman who was born in a log cabin up at Manly Hot Springs, uh, with my grandmother and then my parents and everything else, I have, you know, uh, to me, it's not so much as it's not like it's a hobby or it's a, it's just something that's baked into me, right? It's ingrained. The whole idea of being prepared is kind of just second nature to me. So when you see a lot of these things that people talk about, you know, with the, 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 the label, you know, we were talking about labels earlier, Republican, Libertarian, et cetera, et cetera. We talk about a lot of the labels, you know, you start seeing things like survivalist and prepper and all that kind of stuff. And to me, it was just like, I don't understand why that has to have labels. I mean, we live in Alaska. This place will kill you. We're at the end of the chain, the supply chain. We There have been times when the barges haven't shown up and the store shelves got a little bare. You know what I mean? So it's not like this is all outside the realm of possibility. This is just called what I called common sense. It was just common sense to be prepared for those kind of things. So what, so I get, so I get, a, but you know, so I get a little bit perturbed by it and I get a little, um, um, I guess not uncomfortable, but to me, it's just like, this is just, this is just who I am. And I don't want somebody out there going, oh, you guys are all talking about the zombie apocalypse and doomsday. No, I'm just talking about what happens if something you have some kind of natural disaster that, you know, damages the port of Seattle or Long Beach or maybe the whole West Coast. Maybe you get a big 
I don't know, tidal wave or something that way. Then what do you do here in the state of Alaska? Are you prepared for the, you know, for no, nothing coming up via barge for the next three months? What do you do then? But, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's an interesting thing. I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to share, I'm always happy to share my thoughts on it. But like I say, sometimes I get a little, uh, not uncomfortable, but, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things where, you know, I guess you don't want to be called a wackadoo. What are you guys doing with the doomsday prepper show? That's not, it wasn't doomsday. I was just thinking about, you know, Hey, I'd like to eat. How about you? Um, and Hawks, right. That would be one huge reason why we could use a train between Canada and the lower 48. Although I think that, I think that dream is probably not going to come to fruition, unfortunately. But yeah, we it would be nice to have infrastructure into the state of Alaska, uh, like a rail line. You know, more than just the Alcan, a rail line would do huge things for both, you know, uh, out for both shipping in and for shipping out. You know, that would be a, that would be a great thing. But uh, anyway, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting stuff. All right. Um, we, I, we call them tabletop exercises. Um, yeah. Tabletop exercises are, that's the real world scenario where you do the what if, right? What if you, there was a, you know, what if the power went out for extended period of time? What if there was a, 2018 style earthquake that did more damage than what this one actually did what if there was another good friday earthquake or a tsunami or what if you know wormwood fell from the sky and crashed into it or what if there were zombies i mean you could what if the hell out of a lot of this stuff but most people they don't take you know they take more time planning a two-week vacation than they do planning you know uh, any kind of uh, potential plan for disaster of any kind, any way, shape, or form. Pandemic, right? I mean, not like that would happen again, right? I'm sure. I'm sure nothing like that would happen again. Anyway, so I think that we're, uh, I think we're probably going to do a little bit of what if on Wednesday. Maybe we'll spend an hour on it. We'll see. We'll see how I feel uh, when I get there. See what kind of guests we can get scared up for it. Uh, All right. Well, we're out of time for today. Fun day Monday. I know you're going to have a good one. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. That's all we can ask. It is the uh, Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Oh, 198th successful landing of SpaceX. They landed their booster for the 198th time. That's, I love me some SpaceX. All right, folks, uh, we will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Again, be kind, love one another, live well. We'll see you then. Okay, well... Thank you, my friends, for coming in and joining us this morning. We appreciate you being part of the show. As always, 
Good to chat with you. Don't forget to uh, like and subscribe on our YouTube channel if you haven't done that as well. We're trying to get to that thousand magical thousand subscriber mark in YouTube. I mean, we got 4,000, almost 4,000 on Facebook, but we need to get some of you over to YouTube as well. Yes, and rent a Turo car today if you need to. <laughs> Support those folks. All right. Out of time, my friends. Be, be good. Be kind. We'll see you tomorrow. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show